to death. <laughs> We're back. That you hear there is a good friend of mine, Tim Levy, recorded at our studio about a year and a half ago. Uh, I shared that song uh, on my Facebook page one day, and I had at least four or five people that listened to the show, which is four or five more than I thought listened to the show, say, you need to make that your theme song. And I'm like, we'll try it once, see how it you know, goes over. And uh, my carpool co-host of the day, Jared Bertrand, has a look on his face like, I don't think so. I, well, I love the song. I, I actually think maybe it was themed because, did we try to do that last week? <laughs> well, if, yeah, at some points it felt like it. Last week was a rough one. We'll get to that in a second. Um, kind of like the Supremes <clears throat> theme song. It feels you know? a little bit like Supremes. It does. It, does. It, it feels very much like a, uh, kind of like a Netflix vibe, like a Peaky Blinders or something like that, right? Um so here we are. It's been a little, it's been a minute since we've had an episode out. Uh, life got in the way. Turkey got in the way. Holidays, and imagine that more soccer got in the way uh, of our ability to record some of these fine uh, conversational sessions. I uh, got Jared Bertrand here today. Uh, we are down on the hill in the city at uh, a rather unique establishment uh, dedicated to soccer and debauchery, also known as the Falcon's Nest. Um, a long list of um, uh, soccer people, soccer legacy, soccer influencers are members here. Private club dedicated to the game and getting away from the house and out of chores. So uh, we have a guest here that is a member uh, of the club today. A uh, friend of ours, known for quite a while, um, helped with our children, <laughs> you know, in in past years at the, at uh, in their growth at the at, at Gallagher as the club. And um, without further ado, we'll go ahead and introduce Mr. Kip Thompson. Thanks for doing this, Kip. Oh, thanks for Kipper. Having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for opening the door. It's uh, I you know, let's let's right out of the gate. Explain to people, what is the Falcon's Nest? Because a lot of people are asking, you know, in little circles, in, you know, the nooks and crannies. Because they know it's soccer related and they know it's kind of a bar. But what? tell people what it is. I heard this this weekend. Somebody say uh, it's like a Elks Club for soccer players <laughs> or a VFW Hall for soccer players. So That's more like Shriners. Shriners, yeah. We don't have the cars. We are looking to get into the little buggies. But, yeah, I mean, it's really – it started with a group of guys who were playing together um, after college, and, you know, it turned social, um, or it is social just as much as it is about the game. And uh, one of the guys said, I'm tired of, you know, drinking beer in a parking lot after games. We, we, we need our own place. And, you know – he had been saying that for eight to ten years, and then at some point, finally, you know, looked uh, at getting a place, and you know, the uh, eleven guys kind of all stepped up, uh, helped buy the place, helped redo the place, and then you know, fast forward, um, it's at about fifty-five owners or members, and so yeah, it's a great place. Come here, hang out, watch. Obviously, during the World Cup, it's yeah, you know, it's been really festive a lot watching a lot of games drinking too much beer but it's it's a fun place yeah yeah so give us give us a quick 
I, I know enough to be dangerous. <clears throat> I've heard the uh, name Falcons for a while in the uh, post, um, you know, post club days in the early 20s, and you move into for those that can still play or attempt to play. Then there are certain team names that stick around for a long time. Uh, the Falcons. How long has the Falcons been around? Talk a little bit about the history of that particular team, and then we can circle back around and and, and talk about you. We're here to talk about you, Cap. <laughs> well. <laughs> It must be a show's slow, over. Slow news day. Yeah. Um, no. Thanks for the beer. Appreciate the, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, Fal- the Falcons have been around, and again, I was never really a part of the Falcons. And first, as a soccer team, uh, I played on an, another group of guys, mainly from North County. It, Falcons were kind of our rival. Um, probably, you know, I'm 52, so probably late 20s, uh, early 30s. And it was it's just really guys um, like Jim Fox, Tom Wilhelm, uh, Paul Levine. It started an indoor team, and then um, I think after the first game, the uh, waitress said, "I need you know money for your beer, and I need a name for your indoor team." And um, they just said Falcons. So there w- wasn't a whole lot of thought put into the name, yeah. but it has carried on. They've had you know been continuing on for you know probably. Uh, ever since then and you know it keeps going and nowadays it's mainly over 30 over 40 and over 50 teams that um, are yeah. playing at a pretty competitive level nationally um, uh, Jared played with the over 40s that went to well Las he showed Vegas. up and then proceeded to bust his whole body up yeah that happens yeah <laughs> I felt like I got in a motorcycle wreck that happens <laughs> yeah I've, I've I think I've been in that wreck a couple of times uh, so uh, uh, in the last few years, though, you guys have, uh, I mean, a number of, like, national champs. I mean, is Correct. It, I think five. Yeah, that's yep. that's pretty crazy. It's funny because it's one of those things where you think about, uh, you know, outside of the typical names that, 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 that kind of uh, uh, illustrate St. Louis soccer, be it historically the Steamers, and then you have SLU University, and, you know, Gallagher as a club. Kudis is where I was going with this, where you have these names that are like, you know, anywhere around the country, like what <laughs> funeral home in South Saint Louis. You know, yeah. weird, but it's like it's where so many players from our region kind of gravitate towards. You know, post twenty five, thirty, thirty five, and beyond. Uh, do you guys ever go out? Like many of the players here to hit Bear Park on what is it Wednesdays here on the hill? I you don't know? think so. No, um, I mean we're mainly playing. Mainly the guys are playing on the weekends. Um, at O'Fallon, Chesterfield, or Soccer Park, usually. Yeah, so it's so funny. I, w- I was invited twice. Well, I went twice. I've been invited. And here on the Hill, obviously, kind of like, I, I've been poking the bear with Kansas Cityans in general on socials, like, uh, in regards to soccer capital, right? Like, no, you're not, you know? And I have this, the photo of that 50 team, 1950 team, and highlighting how many of the players are from St. Louis, and, you know, and here on the Hill, so many of them, were literally front lived here, yeah. right, yeah. on that team, and on, I think it's Wednesday nights. If you go out there, there's a pickup game. Rob Stelzer, you know Rob, right? Mm-hmm. So those guys all kind of run this thing. There are dudes out there that are literally in their like late sixties, seventies, yeah, and they're still running around in their copas. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just so unique, you know, and it, it's it's it kind of makes sense that your club lands here on the hill. Yeah, you know, was that thought out or was that just by chance? Uh, there was a little thought put behind it in terms of uh, 
you know, the, the group of guys, and now it's, you know, 50 plus, you know, covers a pretty big geographic area, Illinois, right. uh, you know, Wentzville and, uh, you know, kind of everything in between. Um, but when they looked at it, they were thinking, you know, St. Louis City, Cardinals games, um, you know, it's really close. It's 0.8 miles from the, the city stadium. So they were thinking, what's a place close? Yeah. Um, and and to your point, you know, this is kind of where it all started. So um, it, it all worked out. You, I think if we would have went to, you know, the county or Kirkwood or Chesterfield, it wouldn't have the same. It would be a different vibe. vibe. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, I mean, you would never, you could, but you're not going to find buildings like this. No. You know, ample buildings like this in, in those areas. Right. It's like the flat iron. <clears throat> You know, just yeah, it, it, it you know these. This is a century building, probably. I'm gonna guess probably 1915 somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah I think 1910. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really cool. You guys did a great job renovating it. Uh, I would say if you're out and about, come check it out. But it's a private club, so you have to actually reach out to Kip, buy a bunch of Capelli <laughs> gear, and then he'll let you come pick it up at yep, the club. That's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's back up a little bit then. Um, you know, we mentioned, I alluded to a few uh, adjectives that described you uh, in regards to your soccer relationship to us and really the game in, in, in more generic terms. Um, but you, you, you grew up with the game. You grew up North County. Yep. Uh, you played youth on. You had your high school days. You had your college days. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you move straight into kind of working in the game as well? or? I mean, I, I was doing camps in college, and then, um, you know, my uh, fifth year of college uh, was an assistant coach at a high school, and, you know, it never really thought that the what, game, what high school? Greenwood. I, I did the same thing in my fourth and a half year. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it just the Springfieldians, um, maybe that, that higher academic university down there? It takes, takes some of us a little bit longer than four years? I think so, yeah. That, that might be it. Well, let's put the pieces in place first. <clears throat> North County, where'd you go to high school? I mean, that's... McClure North. You're McClure Northy. Yep. Who, what was your youth club? Gallagher. Gallagher. Norco. And, and Norco, yep. but you played for both? Yeah, we got cut from Gallagher under 16. Yeah. So then you went to Norco? Then I went to Norco. So animosity, did you hold the animosity for long or did you let it go um, pretty quick? No, no, I'm, I'm almost over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was, uh, no, it, it was, I was small, I was unathletic, and so it was an, it was an easy choice to, to <laughs> for them to. Are you saying I would have cut me? I would have cut me, definitely, definitely. <laughs> And I got to play, you know, my under-15 season was, I didn't get a whole lot of playing time. So, yeah, yeah to get, to, to move was, was in everyone's best interest. So, and, you know, I mean, the, the only thing I would say that's different today is that, um, you know, when I did grow and then, you know, fully develop, that, you know, you're lost in the old system. Whereas the new right. system, when you have multiple teams in a club, you know, that player that isn't physically mature can go to the second team, a third team, right. and develop there and then move up, you know, as as needed. Um, so I, I would just say that's a huge advantage, I think, today that kids have. You know, they always look at it as a negative, but, you know, the negative back when we were growing up was, well, you, you just go to another team. And no, yeah, I, kind of, I get it. I'm, yeah. I'm not your 
I'm, I'm not your age. I'm close enough to your age. But I remember, you know, obviously our clubs, too, there was literally one team. Right. One team per age group. Yeah. So, you know, and that's obviously we all, we all know that changed. And then McClure North, uh, you played high school ball at yep. the same time. Um, and if you got cut at 16 from Gallagher, <clears throat> things clearly turned in your favor through high school because you went on to play college ball as well, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was a good thing, you know, it, very motivating, you know, you want to prove people wrong, um, yeah, I thought it was, it was a good, and they got more playing time, so, yeah, it was a good thing, so, yeah, I went to Southwest Missouri State, now Missouri State, um, and I wanted to go and play Division One. My, my eighth grade soccer coach um, kind of instilled that in my head at a very young, in very young age, third grade. You know, he always said, "I think you can play D one. I think you can play D one." And so, right or wrong, that was it. Never left my memory. And so, you know, playing at, at that level, um, you know, was really, really important to me. And um, it, you know, it's, at that time, Southwest was a young, developing. Division one program, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, there was opportunity there, and yeah, I loved every minute of it. Discuss the timeline there a little bit when you got down there. Um, was Tommy Howe there at all when you were there? Yep. Was he your freshman year coach? Nope. Or um, so, um, nineteen eighty eight, um, Jan Stolle recruited me, mm-hmm. who had been there. Great person. He was excellent you know, guy. Um, Still around Springfield. He's coaching Greenwood Laboratory He was both our bosses, probably. (laughs) Or he was mine at Greenwood. Yeah. (laughs) And so he he always looked at it. He was a caretaker kind of for that program. He he started the program, um, or he and Harry Cooper started that program. And so, you know, he always knew that there were other people that were maybe better at at coaching than he was. Now, I doubt there's anybody better at a general manager or – you know, the game of life, administrative, right, and and just a person is yeah. him. Yeah, but um, he recruited Tommy um, to come down there. So Tommy came down as an assistant coach my sophomore year, and then they promoted him to full uh, head coach my junior and senior year. So I had three years with Tommy. Nice, yeah. nice, and it was awesome. Great, a huge, a huge part of who I am as a coach or was as a coach. A huge part of how I wanted to play. Um, yeah, he was a huge, huge influence on, on who I was as a coach and as a person. That's excellent. So, so then as you, uh, quick question, <clears throat> cause everybody loves their alma mater for the most part, right? And yeah. you left, you probably followed them for a while. Were you, how, how disappointed were you when roughly 10 years later, Jared Bertrand gets signed <laughs> to play there and like, just kind of. Like, did you, we have did, a chance now. Did you know <laughs> it was all going to shit at that point, or did you wait? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, you, you know, I mean, uh, then Tommy left, and um, and and John Leamy came in, and so, um, you know, I always wanted, you know, my alma mater to become, you know, like SLU, you know, all these guys in St. Louis, and yeah. you know, they have that history and that tradition, and. I didn't have that. So I was, you know, and Matt Caution was like one of the first guys, you know, to really, really make a name for himself down there. And I, I couldn't have been more proud and more happy every time I go down there. You know, I'm, 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 I'm very, very proud of it. The program's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, my only complaint is, you know, there's, I wish there were more uh, local guys that were playing there, like, 
Uh-oh. the local guys that are playing for SLU. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, he's he, and he's, I he's wish, starting uh, to boil. <laughs> and I wish there were just, you know, more Americans in general. But as far as, you know, the, the program, it's in good hands. Uh, John just left, and so, uh, you know, Seabolt's in charge. So it, he's does a, he does a great job. Again, the only complaint is can you, can you get more local guys? I think most colleges overlook – um, American players. Can you get the best two guys out of St. Louis? Can you get the best two guys out of Kansas City? That's all I'm asking. I think. I could. mean, I think, he's yeah. he's less than three hours from both. Just get the best two players. I mean, if Slew doesn't get them, then you get them. Well, because Lindenwood's going to be right behind if they hire the right guy. Yeah. Well, you know, so here's the thing. Like my my two cents on this is is you're you're at a uh, regional advantage, but a competitive disadvantage if you are in this Midwest region, specifically in St. Louis proper, because if you are a you know a Missouri State coach or the soon-to-be Lindenwood coach, within five hours of us, you know, you have every, Bloomington. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it should be. Isn't that on? No, yeah. it's, it's is it five. On five. Oh, so it's on now. We do. okay. We're watching um, football at the Falcons' nest. Yeah, yeah, yeah NCAA champions. <laughs> Finals on. Sorry, Ken Godet. Um, <laughs> but I mean, think about that. If you are, if you are not SLU, if you are not IU, if you are not even uh, Creighton, uh, some of the schools that are you know really really close, you you know the 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 competition for those top two, top, really top five players mm-hmm. within the few major metropolitan areas. God, I mean, that's got to be cutthroat. So if you do have a path of least resistance, as, a, as frustrating as it might be, if it is foreign players or otherwise, you know, something's got to happen to break that up. You know, what would that be? You know, how, what, what, what can Missouri State do to compete with Kevin, you know, here at SLU? You know, what, what would you suggest? Well, I, I don't know if... if Cash? <laughs> no, I th- cars. I, I think it's a real easy. It's competitively. I think it's real easy. I don't yeah. think he's interested, uh, and those coaches are interested in in a lot of American players. So you think it's just a mindset? Yeah. Here's what we need to do. We need to get a coach on here to speak to it because what is the advantage financially with having nine point nine scholarships and bringing those kids across the pond? What what educational programs do we have that that helps them bring those kids on an educational or a uh, a foreign exchange student program where it doesn't dip into that nine point nine scholarship number? What do you mean? What's the hook? Yeah, I mean, so I guarantee you, Seabold is down there getting these kids from England, Spain, Scotland, Ireland, and he's not bringing all those kids here with nine point nine scholarships and, and and spreading that money with those kids. It's I mean, I understand academics are involved, but there has to be some sort, yeah, maybe there has to be some sort of <laughs> advantage for him <laughs> to be able to go into a 17, 18 year old Englishman's home and convince mom and dad, send them across the pond. And it, I mean, they're not paying any money. There's no way these kids are paying money. Well, okay. So, okay. Right. No, oh, let's speculate. But I think, I think the, the, the one thing I think you were wrong there, they're not, go, he's not going into a 17 or 18 year old's home. He's going into a 22 or 23 year old's home. Okay. And so okay. that I think is, it's a developmental, uh, he, 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 he's going to go after the experienced player who's been washed out of Bolton's Academy or Chelsea's Academy or whoever's Academy where 
um, it's this is where they're landing. That player's a lot more proven and can help you a lot more quickly, more quickly than an 18, 19 yeah. year old player and, from and they, St. Louis, from McClure North, from McClure, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. Tulsa, um, they're they're just graduating um, their center back this year, who's twenty eight years old. 28 years old and he's graduating. So I bet you Rick Fox thinks he can play with him. He's, he's had he's had five, four years at 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Wow. So, and so, so that's... So how does that make way you... way more experienced and he's a better player. How does it make you feel though, like literally right now, um, knowing IU has the team they have on the field with the players they do, you know, talk a little bit about that because obviously you've got a relationship with some of the some of those kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, very very tight. Uh, and for those of you that are listening, in case you're wondering in real time right now, I use in the final against Syracuse. Uh, there are six yep. six Gallagher alum mm-hmm. that are part of the squad. And how many started? Do we know? Three, Three started. Yep. And then Kevin, who's a coach, the seventh. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, talk talk about. How does that make you feel as someone that is so embedded in the soccer community here, you know, having a passion about Missouri State and and what's happening at these other schools? And then you look at an IU and you see what they're doing with literally college age kids. Um, How does that make you feel? Well, I, yeah, I think it's great. You know, I think both IU and SLU have have a, have a similar formula where they can play, you know, good soccer, high level soccer, win and use American players, local players, Midwest players, as well as they both have uh, international players. Sure. But I think they have a good balance of, of young players who are local as well as that international player. So I don't think anything is, you know, this this podcast or me telling Siebel to change isn't going to do anything. It has oh, they're to, listening. It has by the way. to come from my... <laughs> uh, you know, the NCAA saying, you, yeah. you know, you can't have every player come from abroad. I mean, right now they have two two American players. Yeah. So um, it, it, they, it's, it's a lot easier. I don't blame them because it's a lot easier to get a 23 or 24-year-old to step in who's much more mature, smarter. You know, you don't have to worry about those. Those guys are probably a little bit more disciplined than an 18, 19-year-old kid coming from, you know, the Midwest. They don't have to yeah. worry about I mean, They've been the best player on their team, yeah. so well, they finally and, get and to college. And they've been drinking and, for 13 years already, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The, the college party is not uh, appealing to them, so to speak. Right. All right. So yeah. let, let's let's shift gears a little bit here. Um, you know, we, we alluded to your relationship with Gallagher. Um uh, your club affiliation and, and uh, let's let's jump to the transition that you recently made because uh, you know first off how many years were you with the club and, 20 years and, and your um, role with the club was you know a lot of different titles um, when I joined Gallagher in t- uh, 2003 it was you know a coach and then like director of camps and stuff like that which we had really no camps at that time we had you know 30 teams Kalish had just come back and uh, stepped into his role as executive director. Tommy Howe was the technical director, and then, you know, he was trying to, you know, change and and make the club bigger. Um, mm-hmm. What the club had struggled with in 2003 was, you know, one or two teams per age group, and we were cutting kids at under seven, under eight, and then some of those kids were coming back and, 
you know, haunting us at under 15 and under 16. <laughs> and so the model was, can we, can we just get as many kids in as possible at the younger ages and then, you know, um, let them figure it out how, you know, cause some kids are going to quit the game. Some kids are going to, um, late bloom, it, late yeah. bloom. Um, some kids are going to develop real early and then peter out at 14, yeah. 15. So, um, you, you know, he had a, a really, Kevin had a really clear vision of, of what he wanted to do um, and how he wanted to do it. Um, and I knew Tommy really well from, from playing from him. So, you know, that combination really, really attracted me there. And so, you know, trying to get more players in to play Tommy's style to play Gallagher, you know, possession style soccer was, was easy for me. So I kind of, you know, was a volunteer to yeah. begin with. And then, um, you know, it just took up more and more time, took up more time of my real job. And my wife was like, can you just make this soccer thing work? And, and um, yeah, eventually, eventually did. Nice. Nice. Uh, I asked Ken this question uh, on the episode that he was on, Ken Godat. <clears throat> and you telling that brief story triggered, uh, reminded me of it. Because you've seen tens of thousands of kids as a coach, as a trainer, being part of the club. Um, the specific question to him was very, very simple. When you're around all these kids and you're looking at the training and you're looking at the soccer schools or you're looking at individual teams performing, when do you, when do you know that you see it and can describe what it is for that, those special kids? Yeah, I remember. I remember Ken answering that question, and he—I think he's just better at seeing it than me. Because, <laughs> you know, I think that, um, you know, there, that, that there's still so many factors that go into what it is, and so many different variables that can change a player's pathway. That it's really—you don't want to say yes, and you don't want to say no. The timeline's um, different for everybody. Yeah. I yeah, mean, but, but I mean, we're being uber polite and political for all the kids because we love all our kids. But I'm certain in your experience, there is a point where, and, and name names if you don't mind, where you saw a kid and you're like, that that little shit can do this. Like, he's got it or she's got it. Sure, sure. <clears throat> yeah, but I think, you know, I mean, Reem and, and Josh are the easy ones right now to, to discuss. Yeah. And, you know, Josh had it, obviously. But, you know, Josh was also really good at everything he did. I mean, we were we were unsure if Josh was going to pick soccer. I mean, he was – I mean, everything he touched was good. And so, you know, sometimes those players, you know, they get bored with just one sport. Um, we had a program where we asked players to commit full-time. It was an Arsenal program. We had a, uh, a relationship with Arsenal overseas, and he didn't want to do it. And so, um, you know, it took a year for him to see it and for us to convince him, for Kevin Galish to convince him to do it. But, you know, it was it was hard. He was I mean, he was good at basketball. He was good at football. I mean, it just everything he did was was really, really good. So, you know, we had to adjust and to allow him to figure it out on his own. Otherwise, if we forced him to jump into, you know, at six days a week, two hours a day. Yeah, he might have went somewhere else, or we might have gotten, we might have just drove him, driven him out. I think St. Dominic probably developed that. <laughs> uh, I can pretty much hold on. Let me see which one is it. <laughs> uh, let me turn the volume. Uh oh. Oh well, we'll figure that out later. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. There 
go. I was waiting for that. That was a horrible production move, by the way. Um, and then, and then, and then, Josh too. It was you know he always played up. Yeah. So it like fourteen and fifteen, he got his ass beat. You know, I remember yeah. watching a game against Vardar. You know, tough, tough Michigan. Scoot tough, that a little closer. Yep, yeah, tough yeah. Michigan team, and brutal. And he was crying on the field because, you know, I mean, they literally just kicked, kicked him the entire time. And so, so what, you know, he could have, if he dropped down, does he lose confidence? So even though he had it, there were still so many factors that played into, you know, would he become the player he is today? Well, so <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about those two names in particular because they're obviously so relevant with the World Cup, literally still going on in those two making us extremely proud, not only, you know, coast to coast, but especially in our little 314 backyard here. Um, Josh being that attacking, creative, true striker. I mean, he's a nine. Yep. You know, he needs to be. And then you have Tim, who's at the other end of the spectrum, or the bookshelf, so to speak. He's the anchor. You know, he's grandpa out there. And in my opinion, I think Tyler Adams was head and shoulders number one. You know, for the U.S. squad over the the four games, Tim Ream was, I mean, one B. Yeah, I mean, he was he was right there. You know, he was clean. <clears throat> yeah, so I would I would reverse that because I think Tim allowed that team to work out of the back. Oh, because if you don't have Tim there, we can't. There's nobody in that U.S. lineup that can get the ball to Tyler and so on and so forth. So I mean, I think. He was he was the reason that we could possess the ball. He's the reason we outpossessed Holland. I mean, when's the last time a U.S. team outpossessed a Dutch team? Um, never. And I no, think, yeah, the I answer think is Tim never. Tim is the reason. <laughs> Tim, in my opinion, Tim is the reason that we were able to do that. And so that doesn't take away from Tyler. He was fantastic too. So, 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 my question is, you know, the two different styles of play. You know, and you mentioned a second ago that you you knew when they were young, they both had quote it or assumed they did. <clears throat> how how do, how do you differentiate? Is there any now? I'm getting in the weeds a little bit, but how do you differentiate between a kid when you look at them and you're like, oh, they're super special. That is a goal scorer. That is a forward player versus that is a cerebral player. That is a t- quote Tim Ream style player. Like that's an anchor. You know, how early do you see that differentiation in your experience? You know, or or is pigeonholing kids uh, positionally? too young is that a bad thing is that a good thing you know what, what's your take on that front yeah I mean I think you know as a is a is a forward it it worked for Josh you know putting him in attacking positions all the time and he naturally gravitated towards that you know this doesn't answer your question but Tim you know Tim was so different because he was left-sided you know you generally play that player out you know it was a wide back or a wide mid but you know he grew a little bit taller so he kind of grew out of a wide back position when he got to college they tried to play him mid a little bit wide but he doesn't really fit into that typical left you know uh, left flank type of player getting up and down the field probably not as quick as is most of those guys so you know he he was moved around quite a bit within club and within college I mean I remember watching him at SLU he was a center back he was a wide back he was a a center mid Um, he played it all and I think to his credit his personality I think it was stronger the strongest part of of all of his you know his his profile in terms of 
you know, it, it dictated, it dictated, he could dictate where he played versus yeah. if he was left. <clears throat> well, he's a leader. And stuff like that. So he's a flat out leader. Well, we talked, I think we, he was just, he's so calm on the ball. He, yeah. Anywhere, he just, he just has the ability to, you know, play with just under pressure with just no pressure. Well, we talk about this a lot, Jared, um, um, when we're on the road and re- really on this show often, um, where, you know, we, in most sports, they're the five tool athlete, right? Uh, and in soccer in particular, when you start to break it out, it, in my opinion, at the top of the list is that mental acuity, that, 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 that soccer patience, IQ, that so- yeah, that patience, because it, it does, it, the, the ball moves so fast anymore, especially with so many squads and so many like, uh, national styles being high press style, and not to mention how direct the game has gotten. Right, you know. So the ability to be calm under pressure, you know, Tim at 35 at this World Cup. I mean, it was. I, think, I mean, it was really amazing to watch. I think what stands out for me with him, um, with when I said uh, I referenced it earlier, how clean he was, how good he is with his first touch whether it's a head ball misdirected back to the goalkeeper or whether it's a one touch just to get the whole team out of trouble. Um, that stood out for me for him. So, you know, he, he learns that at a young age from Kevin and Tommy and, and Kip and, and these guys. But that first touch just to move us as a team um, either up the field or behind us just to get us out of trouble, he was excellent at that all World Cup. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I loved is in a high pace, uh, high press style, you see it all the time. Did you notice how many times he just stood there with his foot on the ball? Right. (laughs) Just like he just stood there stoic. Yeah. Just staring at the field like, I'm going to let this thing do its thing. None of our other players would ever even consider doing that. You know, that was really amazing to me. Uh, One quick question, then we're going to take a short break. Um, And it kind of parlays off of what we've just been talking about because all over social media is right media right now is this huge debate uh, of all these newbie soccer fans or oldie soccer you know brain trust claiming that the US's problem is you know a whole long list of why the US is not succeeding greater or competing in the semifinals of these tournaments and the one thing that keeps popping up and I find it laughable but I want to get the two of yours take that is our best athletes are not playing soccer. And that one, I, I, I get the, it's too expensive. It's not, you know, developed in the urban areas enough and all these other things. But I take thorough offense to the athlete argument. Do you agree with it? Because, Jared, you in particular, you, you, you readily state, I don't like soccer. I'm not going to watch soccer. But you love soccer. You really do, and you'll watch it. You you say that, but you love other sports as well. I, I do. Kip, clearly, we're in a soccer bar watching Sports Center. <laughs> you know, uh, what's your take on the athlete argument? You first, Kip. I mean, I think it's a it's a fun type of you know to think you know what if LeBron played or Tyreek Hill and stuff like that but I I don't know what the point is other than that because I mean it's our culture has all these other great sports and what are we going to do force Tyreek Hill to play soccer at seven years old eight years old and it's just never going to happen here it's we're not Holland we're not Brazil and so we're going to develop players differently and it's just going to be a way different uh, process and it's going to weigh it's going to be a different outcome Um, so I I just don't understand 
you know, this game of what if, other than just to have some fun with it. Because, you know, it is fun when you look at some of the great athletes out there and, and what if they did play soccer. But it, it, Let me ask you this. You know. So Virgil, 6'5". The Norway or the Netherlands goalie six eight. Um, we're talking about athletes like Kevin Durant, um, LeBron. Um, we're talking about athletes approaching or north of seven foot here in the United States. To my knowledge, there are no seven footers or six eleven kids playing soccer that are at the highest level. Am I wrong? No, I think the only one that was. I mean, he wasn't even close. Peter Crouch, right? Yeah. Wasn't he like six nine? I don't think six I think eight. He was, I think he was like six seven, six eight. Okay, so. <clears throat> So, I mean, my take on the whole thing is, is I'll, I'll agree with Kip, is there's a changing of the guard right now, I think, in European soccer. An African team is now in the Final Four. Um, and they're good. And they are good. Um, the CONCACAF teams, uh, I don't know if showed well is, is the right thing, but I, I think that the old guard European model is still very successful. There are other regions of the world that are developing teams and, and players that are going to be good and competitive, especially in 26. We need to find our own identity and develop the kids that want to be developed in our sport. And the other argument can shove off. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, but I, and I do think that we have every club, every MLS franchise in the country is trying to find the best athletes and develop them so in our particular you know in st louis you know we have clubs that are already going into you know undeveloped areas where kids don't know soccer right and have not known soccer so i think that process is start it doesn't happen overnight um, well, I think they're also going into neighborhoods in which the kids do know the game, have no access to the game, specifically our immigrant communities, right. yep. you know, like uh, uh, a lot of a lot of African immigrants that are um, uh, south of Grand. Yep. Right. That uh, that's coming. Yeah. You know, but we, we were all just out. Were you were you, were you out in Palm Springs for no. the MLS next? I was not. You were not out there. I mean, looking at all those teams. The whole argument that that, that that the game is inaccessible for minority communities, et cetera, it's, that's a foolish argument. Yeah. Go, go to the, the, those events, and, and it's, you're going to see— We don't need to get into a race argument here, but no. the coastal teams and the southern teams, the, uh, the, the Caucasian American is the minority. Yeah. Without I th- question. Yeah. I mean, and, um, and I think St. Louis, I think to your point, I think South St. Louis and the immigrant community, wherever they're from, is yeah. easy to get them on board. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, it's just the right player. Some of those players have been, have not played at a high level. And we, when you get them at 12, 13, 14, it's hard, you yeah. know. But if you get them at six, seven, eight, now that's a lot easier. Yeah. And then the north side, there's still a stigma that soccer is. You know, it's not their first choice. Football and basketball is their first choice. So um, those North St. Louis, you know, African-American kids, soccer is way down on the totem pole. Hey, you want to get them interested in soccer? Show them LeBron or uh, Ronaldo's recent contract. Yeah. But but send them to his Instagram page. Social media, they do know who those players are. But they still, they just still, in their community, they're still more attracted to... Yeah. You know, um, American football and, and basketball. Yeah. 
All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna roll out for a second here. Uh, we're gonna let Jared clean up all of our beers. Uh, Kip, I appreciate your time here. We'll have you back in just a second, and uh, catch up soon. Hey everyone, JB here with the Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors, really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Now, back to the mindless banter. All right, all right. Quick, uh, quick break here at the Falcon's Nest. We're sitting down with uh, Kip Thompson, um, soccer connoisseur. Um, really, I mean, you've done it all. You really have it from player to coach to train to um, now you're in the merch game, right? Uh, we got we got Jared Bertrand as well, carpool co-host of the day. You're in a good mood today, Jared, by the way. I am in a good mood. It's Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. Not bad. This time of year depresses me. I just hate going to work when it's dark, and then at four thirty it's dark. I mean, it's just like really. But 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 but, but you have a job where how many miles do you drive? Forty eight, one way. One way. I mean, and I signed up for it, so I can't complain. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I, I'm not going to make license plates. I mean, I don't have to. I no, don't that's have true. to be there. It's not court mandated. Do you, now? Are you yeah. there before the sun rises, or do you watch it rise as you go? Uh, depending on the time of year, but I'm I'm dark, full dark, both to and fro. Dang, I get it. That would be a little depressing, <sighs> just from a travel Terrible. standpoint. I bought lottery tickets today. <laughs> What's it up to? Is that I your exit plan? Know. Doesn't matter. No, it's a couple mil. Plan. You'll be fine. I mean, look, it would be. Yeah. It's not a plan. I saw a slick spot over there on the table or on the floor. I might slip. Like <laughs> yeah, 55. Now there's a 56 owners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want any money. I just want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's not really broken. Does that get me equity? <laughs> so let's. Uh, I want to dip into a couple of things here. Um, let's talk. Let's let's talk about the new gig. Um, you know, first off, thank you for shooting me and my co-hosts some uh, lovely gear. Um, we we were actually talking about it today because I made sure to wear it. Uh, we wanted to come in as a team in in the in the kits, yeah. so to speak. Um, Tell us, what exactly did you send us? Because they're, they're rain kits, they're warm-up jackets, right? Yep. yep. Are they warmer than that? Than I give them credit for? I, I feel like they are, than your normal rain jacket. I think yes. they're warm. Yes, because I was sweating. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, they're warmer. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, because I just grabbed your sizes. Those Nike stuff. ones? Yeah. Maybe they, it's my girth. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe we're out of <laughs> maybe shape. Maybe I just got just sweat. sweat. <laughs> sure heat. Not, <laughs> not, not, not the fabric. 
Um, so you, you within the last year, correct? Yep. Uh, you made a pretty big change. Yeah. Um, you ended up uh, leaving the club that you've been with forever, that you love forever, and you are now with Capelli Sport, correct? correct. Um, if the, fir- the, fir- the obvious question is, um, in regards to the brand itself, how, how do you compete with Nike and Adidas? Let's just start there, and then we'll talk about all the good stuff about Capelli, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I mean, we're the, we're the David versus Goliath. So we, we can, you know, hopefully are smaller, can adapt. We care more. Um, as far as the product, you know, I mean, it's, I've always kind of felt like, you know, cotton's cotton, you know, uh, polyester's polyester. So it's just kind of what you, you do with it. So, you know, as far as all of that stuff, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of similarities. I think where we're unique is, you know, we're kind of like Amazon where you buy online, you don't have to go to a retailer. So it's a little bit cheaper there, a little bit, um, quicker and delivery and, and stuff like that. So, um, we can, we can be a little bit cheaper from, for, for each player when you're, when you're talking about, you know, big soccer clubs, stuff like sure. that. Um, and as far as design and stuff like that, we can do whatever, you know, if you have, if you want, you know, Croatia checkerboards on your jersey. You know, we can put that on there. If you want, you know, yellow like Brazil, we can do that. So what, th- that limitation is there, it's there is none. Where so, would I go get the Pro Glide Two shoe in white <laughs> ten and a half? You do that. you know anybody? <laughs> white I, I, I ten and a half. That's on my list. <laughs> I yeah. Well, I was wondering, do you do circle logos like Soccer Dad Pod and you know, <laughs> hoodies? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We have. Uh, yeah. Our, we, Fulfillment as far as logos, sponsorship. Yeah, we have a warehouse in New Jersey, so you know we're we're um, we have our own factories, which is unique to the industry because even uh, you know the big two, Nike and Adidas, don't own their own factories. So, um, where are the factories? Uh, China, Bangladesh, okay. and uh, we have five factories in China, two in in Bangladesh, and then those products you know are made by in a Capelli factory, shipped to Capelli. Uh, warehouse in New Jersey, put your logo, put your uh, sponsor on there, and then ship to your individual players. Nice. So, there's so, so that, then that, that supply ch- control, the supply chain makes it a little bit easier, a little bit quicker. And, you know, these days it's, you know, everybody is having issues. So, we, well, and we everybody also control. is becoming like Amazon Primed. You know, their brains are prime ready. We're, we're all used right. to direct ship, right? Is, is, is that kind of like, a leading advantage that you, totally. you guys have because yeah. there, there isn't like a local retailer that has the exclusive distributorship or anything like that. It's, yep. it's Capelli to the club, not yep. Adidas to the distributor, right. to the retailer, to the club. Right. And then, and actually in Adidas, there's, it's, it's a factory that Adidas has its products made uh, at, yeah. or, you know, there's somebody making an Adidas product yeah, and then sent to an Adidas warehouse and then sent to a retailer so, so, and so, forth. so then uh, clubs, some of the clubs that you guys work with, um, we were talking earlier, uh, the big one is? Yeah, the big one's Rush. Um, you know, a lot of people think of it as Missouri Rush locally, but it's, you know, 50,000 kids. Mind Worldwide. Mind So they're 50,000 kids. I know. I mean, let's put that in perspective, right? I, people that are listening, like 50,000, that's a big number, but let's let's frame it. Like, how big is that number? Uh, Gallagher has 4,000. 4, Fuse has 2,500. 
And then uh, let's go with. Well, there are other big clubs, Albion. What, what do they have? What's the number there? They have, I think, like 15,000 kids. Wow. I mean. Yeah, but you're still at 50,000. 50,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, think if somebody from Mr. Capelli is making $1 on that. Yeah. On, on each piece of clothing going to that club. <laughs> they got away. They got uh, home. They got warm-ups. They got um, these really thick, layered, um, insulated rain gear that we got. I mean, dropping hints, are you? Yep. I, I mean, that's that's. A I lot got of it. <laughs> so, are you enjoying it? Do yeah. You, do you like yeah, the, yeah. the the product game? I mean, I'm assuming um, you're probably on the road a lot. I have been more yeah. so. It's been, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's just calling on clubs that you know before we would match up on in tournaments and in different events, and just calling on those clubs now in just a little bit different way. So, um, and and it's surprisingly, the product itself is isn't a huge issue to to most people it's you know can you get it here can you make it look kind of like we want and can you get it here promise make it easier for our players make it affordable yeah um and then what else can you can you give us? Are, you, are you finding that okay uh typically the adidas and nike have have led um the, this industry in the youth uh, soccer boys girls for years puma you know there's other brands that we can mention but um, I, I feel like at, at a club level, some of these people are pigeon-held on just Nike, Adidas. Are, are you finding that you're walking into these clubs and then giving them another option? And it, is it like shooting fish in a barrel? I mean, or is it is it really hard because they're just Nike, Adidas guys? Yeah, I'd say it's it's everyone's a little bit unique. You know, there's some clubs that have been Nike and Adidas for a long, long time. It's it's hard for them to think that they're anything it's, other. Yeah. It's brand identity. Yeah. Um, And so it's hard for clubs sometimes to to think that they're, you you know what, you're you're bigger than that brand and you're different than that brand. And if we can bring um, something different in terms of more, you know, more product backed for your coaches and and what they're wearing or something different. I mean, there's there's a lot of Christian Pulisic's old club, the PA Classics. You know, that guy was in a... um, uh, Steve Klein was an Adidas club for 30 years, and you know he was really nervous about switching. And he said it was one of the best things that they did. They they, they needed a change, you yeah. Know? Uh, and there's a reason that the Man U's and Chelsea's and all of those clubs switch <laughs> yeah. quite frequently. Yeah, they're getting a little bit a little bit more in each deal. And so for youth clubs to to think that they should be pigeonholed, well, I mean, it, you, there's Man U doing it. You. You can do it too. So, yeah. so let's talk about the soccer side of what you're seeing um, in the new role, because obviously you spent, uh, you know, the vast majority of your career here in St. Louis in the backyard, working with kids here around the club. Uh, now you're spending a lot of time uh, in other marketplaces around these other clubs. Are you spending enough time on the fields around the teams as well? Uh, and specifically, the question is, uh, what's the difference? You know, because we were talking a little bit earlier about the national team and how big we are and the different styles. From a club perspective, you know, being a St. Louis homer, uh, now going around selling product to these other markets, you know, what do you see in these other clubs in these regions, you know, uh, just just from a talent standpoint? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever look at it just from a coach's trainer's eyes? You're trying to sell shoes and shirts? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I still wear that coach's trainer's hat probably too much and so you know when you go to a showcase 
um, you know, in Dallas for MLS, you know, next it was, you know, I'm watching games and, you know, talking more about players and, and their strengths and weaknesses than I am, you know, polyester. Um, but I think from, you know, from my perspective, that helps me get in and talk to coaches and directors and stuff like that. Because really, you're real. Because they don't want to talk about, you know, yeah. a, a dry fit shirt. Yeah. I mean, they're all the same in their, if, in their eyes. Um, you know, the, the world, the United States, you know, I would say everywhere there's good soccer and everywhere there's good coaches. So, I mean, there's not a place in this country that a player cannot develop and can't get better. Um, is, is there a, are you seeing like a, uh, a newbie area, maybe like a, I don't know, a, a Tulsa or something that's not been on the radar where that you're seeing some players pop up? Because obviously there's the old guard cities, uh, the, the St. Louis is the Chicago's, New York's, Philly's, Walkies. et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> um, where's the next frontier? Are you seeing it out there yet? Or, you, you know, is it just kind of wait, wait and see? You know, I would just say that, that any of those areas can you, you can find a player. So, like, if you're looking at your schedule and you got Wichita, you got Des Moines, you got a Tulsa, you got Oklahoma City, you know, don't assume that they're they're not good because they're, they're all good teams coming from those areas. There's good players coming from those areas. And a place like Wichita where it's a – it's uh, you know one of the biggest meat packing um, uh, areas in the country that it has a huge immigration um, okay. um, a ton of immigrants in that area so they have the you know some of the most Hispanic teams and you know that culture and all those kids and all those players have come in you know at a, at a really high level and so it, there's some really good players yeah all of a coming from that. <laughs> they're gonna go and hustle some tournaments yeah. some money tournaments in kc wichita right? is good i mean i remember as young kids as pre-academy guys going to kansas city and, and and you know getting a shot at the sporting guys or the legend club or whoever is the top dog in that age group those wichita kids come in they got a chip on their shoulder and we talked about vardar earlier in the show and vardar's rough and you know Josh was playing up and, and, you know, playing that style. Those Wichita kids don't take it easy on you. They're rough, big, fast. You're right. That's a good area. Yeah. So yeah, the only thing I would say is that, that if, if a place does, if a location doesn't have an MLS team, there's going to be some of those players getting picked off and coming from Wichita over to Sporting Kansas City or you know, Springfield, Missouri to to St. Louis and stuff like that. So Absolutely. the you know the the MLS teams regionally will do what they should be doing and that's attracting talent from from a, a, an area and from a region. So So okay, so since uh what was it? 94, 95 roughly first year of MLS, right? Fast forwarding to now and <clears throat> and your involvement and and uh relationship with some of these academy teams and being around it and seeing it, you know, what do you see is next? Because we've, we've, we've all been part of the incubator phase of the development of professional soccer, uh, you know, in the country. You know, you're, that's all you do all day, every day, is go around and watch soccer and sell soccer gear. Where, where's your brain at right now? Coming out of the World Cup, looking at our, quote, best 24, uh, and then looking at these clubs and traveling to these um, non-MLS uh, academies, you know, project out. You know, what's the, if you were to give a statement as to the stat, state of soccer today, where is it? How would you describe it? 
I mean, I think I, I think there's way more positives from the World Cup than negatives. I think, um, you know, social media wants to tell me that, you know, we're missing a nine and we're missing, you know, this and we're missing that. But I think, I think it, you know, we have nothing but, you know, we should be very, very proud of where we're at. Um, again, you're playing a, a world, uh, you know, a contender in, in Holland. And I, again, I think we played really, really well. We, yeah, we're, I think we were a bit naive and, and we got punished by a really experienced tactical coach. But yeah. still, I think we, those players, you, you know, if you, we play Holland, you know, 10 times, I think we can be right there with them half the how time different based on that performance. How different is that game if Pulisic scores in the first two minutes? Yeah, yeah I think well, way different. Yeah, dramatic. way different. Yeah. Way different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I and I think uh, to answer, you didn't ask me the question, but I'll answer it anyway. Um, is there more youth playing men's, women's soccer today than there was last year? Is there going to be more playing next year? If, if the game continues to grow, then the answer to that question is: is the ceiling is 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 unpredictable? It, it, it's getting higher and higher each year. If we continue to have more youth develop more academies, develop more clubs, sell more Capelli gear. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, 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 I think that... That's the key. That is the key. I think the, um, the, the biggest challenges for us as a country, and we touched on it, is, you, you know, af- I think the youth level is really good. I think, um, you know, there's tons of clubs. The MLS um, academies are great, very w- well run professionally across the board for the most part. Um, but then what, what af- what's after that? I think if you look at the MLS league, if you look at all those teams, there's very, very few Americans that are playing right. um, minutes. You know, there's one or two Americans that are starting and playing on every team. That, that's just not enough. You look at Spain, La Liga. Um, with the exception of Real Madrid and it's Barcelona, all it's all Spanish yeah. players. All Spanish players. So if if we don't change something or give more opportunities for American players, then you know we're relying on a very very small pool. When again, we're a huge country, we have tons of players. We're, we're taking away a huge advantage. Well, in my opinion. so so that's always been my argument in debating individuals. Uh, ad nauseum on socials about why us isn't there yet my 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 brain my heart tells me because we're that big there's another layer to the the size issue and that is the culture issue where we have a lot of uh european neighborhoods we have a lot of uh central american neighborhoods and communities and we don't have a style us soccer since we were kids you know, if we if somebody were to say define or describe U.S. soccer style, I would I would stand there with, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't like the argument. Well, we're we're athletes. We're physical. We're you know we're going to press and do all this. Well, that's not really a style. That's that's kind I of. I think it is. I, that, that, I think it is. I, that's I think that's it, like. Uh, but 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 that's not like. Where's our X's and O's? Moving forward, just drawing an arrow up the field isn't really a style. Yeah, but I, 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 I do think that that's the personality of, of a lot of our players, of a lot of the people in this country, and then a lot of why we were successful in, in business and why we're successful in wars. And, and <laughs> because a lot we of only things. go forward. Back-to-back, uh, we're, we're war champs. We, right, we're <laughs> 10 and 2, yeah. you know? Um, 
Yeah. To, I, to, I, I, well, we have a lot of draws or, <laughs> that nobody wants to talk about, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think that 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 is. I mean, I, and I think that showed in this World Cup when we pressed, we ran. All those guys were great athletes. Now, I think just the level of of their their technical ability has dramatically increased from the last four years, sure. the last yeah, eight years, and so on and so forth. But I think that that has to be the core of who we are. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I don't think we. I think we keep wanting to be Brazil and Holland and all these other places. And I, I would rather be old school Germany or something like that. That's be, be probably like, more more what we could be. Yeah. Or it's well, more like I'm going to go back to what we were saying. I, I don't want to be Germany right now. They're not. In, they're, um, well, they kept they, they 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 kept the legacy players in my opinion too long. Yeah. They didn't make the transition quick enough. That neither here nor there. But going back to what you were saying earlier when we were talking about uh, performers at the World Cup and you were like, Tim Ream, I think, is my number one. Tim Ream played really an opposite style to what we are talking yeah, about fair, right now. Fair. Other than he can play that style and he's good in the air and he's good at being calm when, when people are direct at us. So to answer the question, I think if we're going to be direct, we need to continue to develop players that can play direct and can force the issue. But then when it's time to play out of a paper bag, we can play out of a paper bag. The Polisics, the Tylers, the Westons, those guys are really good. They play European. They're very athletic. They can get forward. But they're good when it comes to tactical play. How many times, though, do we see, we're um, on, you know, whether it's our boys teams or out at the club or in any of the fields that any of us are at, on any given weekend where we see the decision-making process, sometimes it's okay to check down, <laughs> to, to, to turn around. Well, it's not on. Let's start this thing over. That is what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't see Talking that. Talking about Michael Bradley? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mike Sorber? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, know what I, you know what I'm saying? Like, a little bit of, like, the decision-making process, as much as the style is we want to go forward and forward and attack and beat and move through the middle, Every now and then, it actually makes way more sense to go backwards, and it seems as if kids are punished today whenever those decisions are made. You know, when you have uh, elevated clubs and teams and styles, you know, thoughts on that? I mean, because the ball can technically go in 360 degrees, you know, pretty easily. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're uh, going back to culture. We're an impatient culture, too, yeah. you know, uh, versus... Europe and, and a lot of the others. So, yeah, I think it's in our nature to to want to go forward, to want to want to attack, want to attack. Um, but again, I go back to the statistics of this last World Cup where we outpossessed, yeah, you know, all of our teams. I think that shows that we've developed as a soccer country, and our players are better. They're more comfortable on the ball, and not everything can be forward when you're outpossessing, you know, Holland and England and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, I think I think they are. I, I think they are. Again, I, I think we're. It, it it takes time and and the, the men's game is yeah is the men's game is every country on the planet that's their team that's their yeah. that's their it, they don't have in Iran you know any other competition so nobody have, has an NFL yeah yeah they don't have an NBA yeah and, and that that goes back to the whole athlete discussion debate you know the we're a bunch of homers here locally are like whoa our best athletes but well none of these other nations have the the leagues the sport that you're claiming these are our best athletes so how do we really even know that we have they're big they're strong they're fast i'm going to give you all that but it's not apples to apples at all no. so i don't know i mean and i would just put too that that it's i think it's just more than i mean 
everything emotionally is invested in that entire country, sporting wise. Yeah. In Holland, in Iran, in England, in it is Wales. their their identity. It's totally. Yeah. Everything. Everything is into the, into that team. So let's 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 stay on the World Cup train here for just a little bit longer. Um, in the last few days, obviously, after the uh, quarterfinals, we saw uh, a few massive teams, players in particular, crash out. Uh, we, we've seen a few that were expected to move on. But most importantly, what I want to talk about is the, the, uh, the greatest of all the GOATs, you know, that the, the are being going to be debated for the long forever, really, Messi, Ronaldo in particular, those two, and the way that they exited. Ronald, I'm going to start with Ronaldo because social media is blowing up, and, and I even jumped on it myself. Um, when he lost, when they lost, you, you, you saw it. What did he do? Walked away. He just turned around and walked away. Like, and get in the tunnel, and everybody, you know, the cameras are on him, and clearly he's upset. Before I give <laughs> my two cents, what's your take, guys? After that career, to... We all know that's his last World Cup game. Yeah. Did he do the right thing? And if yes, why? And if no, why? Yeah, I mean, I think too often we're catching just a portion of it. So, I mean, if they followed him from start, if there was a movie camera on him and start to finish and every action and movement that he made from the, the final whistle till the end, then I I think I could better judge it, but I think we get little snippets of it, and you know, and and he's human. He can make a mistake. I mean, it's his last game ever. If he wants to be a pouty, care. pouty little bitch, what did you say? I don't, know. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I, Charles Barkley said it perfect. I, I'm not your role model. I mean, and, and that's I'll say that with a grain of salt, but. Put yourself in that shoes. He's frustrated. He actually starts quarterfinals and the round of 16 on the bench. Probably yeah. not excited. Um, whatever. But we know um, why he wasn't starting. I, I understand. Um, and uh, gets put in. Um, has a good chance. Um, they lose. Um, I, he's pissed. I mean, uh, put yourself in his shoes. I'm not giving him a pass, but... I don't think he did anything out of line, per se. I mean, if we were going to outline the rules of sportsmanship, then maybe he doesn't get put on that poster. But, but don't but I, wouldn't I mean, you agree I don't, I don't, that, wouldn't you agree though, in all sports, there are athletes, and I, and, and I think clearly Ronaldo falls into one of these categories. You're above the game. You, you've done enough to where you're going to be held to a higher standard. The Gretzky factor, the Jordan factor, Serena, right? We all saw Serena just this past summer. What did she do after she lost her match? She was humble. She stood there. She yeah, stood but there. I've also seen her yell at a curse out a ball boy too. In hey, a really embarrassing situation. So they're, so, all, they're all. I like John Macaro. I mean, the way he himself is. <laughs> Not many of them have a Thelma and Louise moment, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, because when I watched it happen in real time, because it was, there was, uh, let me back up here. Was that, that was second game, right? No. The, the um, yeah. Cause Croatia was earlier. Why, why am I forgetting this? Who did Croatia play? So many played games. Brazil. The way yes. Croatia okay. acted after they won 
was more textbook than the way that Argentina acted after they won. That well, I was going to get to that. So let's stick to I get let's stick the whole to Croatia. Deal, run by the other team and motherfuck them as you're leaving. Um, versus oh, yeah. Croatia was more. In particular, one Croatian player in particular, the first thing he did was walk over to his teammates, and that was Modric, right? Class. He's he's their best player. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's a tale of pillars, right? Modric did what he did, showed ultimate class, walked straight over, and was truly empathetic. Neymar, who is obviously poster boy, sat there, cried, but he didn't leave. He was upset. He stood there, and he took it. He let the cameras stay on him, and he shook the hands. What Argentina did, though... Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, fight. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're not happy with just winning. We weren't happy with the way you guys played, and now we're going to yell and scream at you and almost get in a fight. Yeah. yeah. And Messi talking shit to uh, the coach and the reporters. Well, I think this is why you, they shake the hand at the beginning of the game in soccer because at the end of the so game, much emotion. emotions is it's just too high. Well, and then now you know, so. now you all you Gallagher guys know how us Bush guys felt after we beat you guys. You guys hated us. <laughs> Time out. I was Miller Lite, dude. I didn't lose you guys. <laughs> I was on the other side of the river. And if they lo- did lose, they they you had welts. Oh, <laughs> you, you would know. Get they your car out of the parking that. lot. Yeah. That was uh, those were free tattoos. No, you know, it's one of those things, you know, watching it all, you know, I, I, you know I, I've been poking the bear on socials a little bit with it. You know, for me, though, and let me ask your opinion here, as a father, as a coach, as someone that's around, you know, we, we, we look to these games and we look for kind of learning moments and everything else. And we think about things that we expect out of our own, you know, and look, it's obviously it's not the same thing. You know, probably 50 million people were watching that game when he walked off. But what do you say to someone, you know, a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, like, you know, should you shake hands or is that okay? You know, does that cross your mind at all in, in, in kind of evaluating or passing judgment or or not? I, I didn't notice it in the moment. You know, I was kind of the game was over. I kind of moved on. I didn't watch to see what was going on. So I kind of was... I saw most of it, you know, again, social media sure. hours, days afterwards. But yeah, no, you don't, I don't want my son acting like that. And I would never allow my son to, to act like that. But he's not, and I know you, he's not, you know, he's not Cristiano Ronaldo too. And, and maybe if he was, then I'd give him a free pass. But <laughs> well, let me um, tell you this. I don't know if I ever played at a level to where social media would come into play. But if the social media camera had a video on me after wins and losses, um, at my recreational level I played at, I, I, I mean, I would look like a complete dipshit. Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, but you're not Ronaldo. <laughs> All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll this one out. You know, we uh, we've had we've had a great uh, conversation here at the Falcons Nest. We've got the IU Syracuse game on. Um, Real time score two one. 32 minutes left. We'll see what happens. Um, but I want to thank Kip Thompson for coming on. Um, guys, check out Capelli if you're a buyer. If you like gear, it's great gear. It really is. He's been so generous in passing us um, some material along. And we've got – go ahead, Jared. I got one more question for Kip. 
um, if we're plugging Capelli here, um, and we're in our own little world soccer, I, I know Capelli is also in other youth or in other sports for that matter, boys and girls. What other sports um, uh, organizations, basketball, football, what market does Capelli want to get into? What market are they currently in that I'm unaware of because I'm in my own little world here with soccer? Um, because uh, we all have friends, and 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 hopefully the f- six or eight listeners can, um, you know, maybe we have the head of the Gators baseball organization that that's here. Do you guys do? Uh, I'll just give you the mic. What what other sports do you do? Yep. Uh, for 2023, we'll do basketball, baseball, um, and lacrosse. So we want to get into everything because right now, when it comes to some high schools and basically every university, those are all one brand deals. So one stop shop. Yeah. So if you look at uh, um, a lot of universities like uh, Maryville locally, it's all Under Armour. Yeah. So ev- every program, golf. Uh, are you going to go after? Are you going to go after Oregon? Um, <laughs> that, might, that might be tough. That might, that might be a little tough. Phil, Phil, will make room, right? He's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not quite on that. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, if you look at some of the sponsorship costs yeah. for for some of these brands into into teams, yeah, we're we're not correct, not quite there. We're 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 getting into some, yeah, you know, European teams, stuff like that. But they're, you know, third division, fourth division, stuff like that. So, so, so if so, if somebody listening wants to check check some stuff out, simplest way, CapelliSport.com. Easy as that, huh? Yep. All right, Kip. Thank you so much for thank the you. time. Thank you fun. for uh, hosting. And uh, Jared, as always, see you next time. Right. Well done. All right, guys. Uh, last question actually just occurred to me. Who wins? We got uh, final four. Final four. Who we got? Who you taking? I mean, I think it's got to be France at this point. Um, I mean, are we are we a little Messi. bit? I mean, do we want the Messi to go out? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I would. Yeah. Yeah. So we're thinking France, Argentina. Yeah. Probably. I don't think so. You think it's I, Morocco, I, France? No, no I think no, Croatia. Really? Yeah. I think. I, yeah, Croatia is just. They were in the final last time. I know. And they're just they're, not real dangerous, but they're still in the semifinals. But they're super smart. Yeah. And, and and it's in essence a little bit younger team, a little bit more athletic team, and they still have Luca in the middle. To overlook. Easy and to overlook. Yeah. I mean, they are stacked. And they play boring, but they play to win, and they keep winning. But like Real Madrid, they just figure a way to do it. That's it. I uh, I do I do think Croatia is going to upset Argentina. I don't think it's an upset. I think Croatia is going to beat Argentina, but France is. Hmm. How does France lose right now? I think if Mbappe, if Mbappe goes in in a good mood, right? Assuming they win their semifinal, but if he's if he's happy and he's, you know, because you ever notice him when he plays and he's smiling and he's joking, he's like Superman. He's well, like, he is that, and you can kind of see. You talked about the Ronaldo, Messi, and how they acted. You can kind of actually real time see the torch being passed to the twenty three year old. Yeah, yeah, it's all him. It's, it, it's it's exciting. There's well, there's one other, but his nation will never reach that yeah. level. They'll get in the next one. They'll be they'll be in the U.S. because they'll have more teams. They'll have forty. Oh no, that's not who I'm talking about. 
Oh, Holland? Holland, yeah. yeah. They'll be in the U.S. Wait, how, how is that? Because they're going to increase from 32 to 48 teams. They'll increase the That's a mistake. World. Really? We can, yep. I mean, we could sit oh, here and wow. talk for hours and hours and hours, but, I mean. Yeah, and there'll be 16 more teams. Yeah, that's Con- a mistake. CONCACAF will have three more teams, so we'll be having. Oh, we'll have Jesus. The four teams that we had, and then Jamaica and. Honduras and El Salvador or something like that. Yeah, you know what? The, you, this is turning into NHL playoffs where as long as you still have players that can play, you're in the playoffs kind of thing. Yeah. But it will allow somebody like Holland and their team to get through, even though that's a good team. They, they, I would think they could get through even on if it was, a, if it was, if it was 32. All right. Second to last question here. Actually, this will be the final, final question. Um, we, we are exiting the Ronaldo Messi years um, real quick. Pick one, Jared, Ronaldo, or Messi. Who's your guy? That's not very quick. Uh, Messi. Messi because of just uh, the way he plays. You? I've always been a me- Messi guy, but it's hard. I, I, you know, I think we're in a great era. Why, why pick one? They're yeah. Yeah, I, I've been a Ronaldo guy because I, I, in spite of what he just did, I, I just think he does more on the field. And Messi had... Xavi and Iniesta. I mean, that Barcelona team was absolutely ridiculous in the prime years. But it, it, here's part two of the question. We're now in the new age. Holland, Mbappe. Who do you like? At the club level, Holland. At the national level, Mbappe. And which is a cop-out. That is a cop-out. But the educated answer. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just don't see enough French soccer and... The, I don't think anybody does. In, not even in the French. PSG, it's you know it's not fair their league. So I think in order for him to get into the same conversation as Holland, I think he has to move. I don't think or that league has to dramatically change. Right now, Holland, the game, the teams that that he plays, you know, week in week out, the center backs that he, he plays week yeah, in week out, the, the, the center backs that he drives into the ground. Premier League is just so good. The, the worst team is beating teams. It, there's just it's just so yeah. entertaining right now. So entertaining, um, and for Holland to score that many goals against that competition that quickly, it's, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Just well, you know, and the thing is, you watch him; it's easy. It's so easy for him. And I mean, he just—he looks like a gazelle yeah. out there. Crazy. I mean, we could go on and on and on. All right, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna roll this up a little bit here. It's—it's uh, it's time. If I don't turn the music on, we're just gonna keep. Go Bears, Kip. Go Bears. <laughs> Kip, thank, thank you very much for coming on, man. Appreciate the gear uh, and the beers and all that. We'll, we'll come back anytime. Yeah. Actually, there's plenty of soccer guys in oh, here. Tons. Spread the spread the word. We'll, we'll just have like a dedicated session and just roll out a bunch of falcon of the quarter that's what we'll do we'll make it uh special episodes i will tell the drowsers i will show up and then i won't show up (laughs) can't have that all right hey thanks for listening in give us give us a follow apple spotify all those usual suspect areas uh any questions comments complaints uh keep them to yourself we'll uh we'll wait till next episode thank you very much Tangible. Oh, Bet no. you did.